irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Answers for the Family. I'm your guest host, Gabriela Van Ray, and founder of the Dare to Be Kind movement, speaker and author. Our motto is one moment, one person, one kindness, be the difference. Every Monday from 11 to noon, Pacific time, this show will bring your, you special guests that can inspire, educate, and entertain while bringing answers and options to life today and in our constantly changing future. Answers for the Family will address issues such as locating runaway teens, family crisis intervention, building self-esteem, dealing with addiction, optimizing our life experience, and so much more. As I am sure many of you expected to hear Alan's voice this morning, we are reminded of the reality of what he does when he's not on the air. As a licensed private investigator and crisis interventionist, he gets calls and has to respond quickly, be it locating a runaway, escorting a teen to a specialized program, or retrieving an uh, abducted child. Ellen will be back next Monday when we will both be in studio to talk about screen time and how it is affecting us. We wish him success today in his endeavors. And in the meantime, we are going to continue with our guest today. And the topic is, I love the topic, choose wonder over worry. We have uh, our guest, Amber Ray, who wrote a book that is called Wonder Over Worry, and move beyond fear and doubt to unlock your full potential. Our guest is an author, an artist, and a speaker devoted to inspiring people to express the fullness of their gifts. Her writing has reached over 5 million people in 195 countries. Her public art has spread to over 20 countries, and she's spoken to and collaborated with brands like Kate Spade, Apple, Amazon, and Unilever. Uh, she's been featured in the New York Times, Time, Fast Company, the BBC, ABC World News, and Tim Ferriss blog, and so much more. Here are some notable reviews about Amber. Amber Ray's very personal journey of moving from a constructed identity of self-limiting beliefs to her true self in the domain of creativity, wonder, joy, and higher consciousness, offers inspiring insights and lessons for anyone wanting to unfold their infinite potential. That is a review from Deepak Chopra. The next review is uh, her book is a revelation. She is Elizabeth Gilbert of her generation. This book does not disappoint. You really can choose wonder over worry. And all I can say is, wow. And this is a review from Stacey London of the New York Times. Amber, welcome to the show. And how impressive these reviews. And I am excited to ask you tons of questions. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And and <laughs> when I got those reviews, I nearly fainted. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I, I I am already fainting for you while, while summing them up. <laughs> So we would love to hear a little bit about yourself first and then tell us why mm-hmm. you wrote the book. But talk about you first. Sure. So what do you want to know? <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I think for any listener, it's always need to know what got you from point A, which is your life, to the point of writing this book. What, what what got you yeah. there? Was it a dream or is it all of a sudden that you said, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. So I'm a big believer that our mess can be our message yeah. and our own pain can be our purpose. And it was really my own journey dealing with worry, anxiety, fear, and doubt, a voice inside my head telling me I'm not good enough for you to do this. What will they think of you? 
all while being this high achieving woman that really set me on this journey to understand the workings of a fearful mind, to understand really how we operate and work as humans. And, and you really, so much of my work started with me as the guinea pig, me as the person that I was, I was going through this pain and I wanted to find uh, a way through. And so that looked like everything from meeting with neuroscientists and psychotherapists to understand how the mind works to going on yoga retreats and meditation journeys around the world to then actually beginning and starting self-discovery retreats for, for others. And so it's been this decade-long journey of really understanding, you know, why we worry, why we hold ourselves back, why we play small, why we pause rather than speak our truth and how we can actually lean into the power of, of wonder. Wow. I, I, as, as you know, just before the show, I told you how much I love this topic. So you mentioned <laughs> that we are born with wonder. It is innately within all of us. So, and you say that worry is learned, which I totally agree, but explain to the listener why worry is learned. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at any child running around, they're just filled with so much curiosity and wonder. They have this sense of discovery about them. They're asking what's this and why, and they, and, you know, and there, and there's not much fear there. There's not judgment. There's just pure presence and curiosity, which is, is just so beautiful. And then as we grow, we're really socialized and we're conditioned to worry. We're, you know, through our education system, through parenting, through, um, the way that our society functions, it's, you know, here are the rules and here's who you're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. if you don't fit into this box, you know, you may be judged or you might not fit in. And that creates that, that sense of wonder, that sense of pure presence and discovery that was once leading us begins to fall away at times. If we get really trapped in what we think we should do, what we think other people want of us, how we want to be perceived so we're not rejected and, and so on and so forth. And really so much, you know, worry is also a, a primal emotion. And, you know, I'm talking about how worry can hold us back, but also it's important to know that our brain has evolved over millions of years with a threat mechanism system so that if we're in danger, you know, we will be alerted. We will feel a sense of worry because that's worry is saying, Hey, pay attention, be safe. So not all worry is bad, but, If we're worrying about our truth, ourselves, how, what other people think of us, what we should do, that's when we can lose that sense of innate wonder. Mm -hmm. But those different types of worries, because I have friends that worry about everything. It's kind of almost, wow, like, like really, like I asked them to chill, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and they just can't do it. So, but what, what are those different types of worries? Could you explain that a little bit and give us some examples? Absolutely. And where this, where my perspective on, on the different types of worry really came from is I met with a neuroscientist, uh, a neurosurgeon at Stanford, and I learned from him that nearly 80% of the average human spends their time with regret about the past or okay. anxiety about the future. And so that's basically 80% of our, you know, the average adult spends 80% of their time worrying. And another study, uh, found that 85% of what we worry about never actually happens. And so it's, we're spending our time in the future that we can't control or a past that we can't change. And we're worrying about things that we can't change or can't control. And so from that, I really discovered that there's two kinds of worry. There's the useful kind of worry, which is the worry that says, Hey, pay attention. As you walk across the street, don't get hit by a car. That's useful. <laughs> or, you know, sometimes maybe we feel worried because we have a deadline coming up next week and worries telling us, Hey, pay attention. This is important. We have work to do. And I, I haven't seen you prepare for this big deadline. So can we get to work? Worry might show up in that way. And that's useful because it's one within our control and two, we can take productive action on it. So, you know, we, we always know if a worry is useful, if we can ask ourselves, can I take any productive action on this? But so often we worry about, you know, what people think of us, or we worry about uh, if we said the right thing, or we worry, you know, we, our, our worries can take us into toxic places, which is the second form of worry, which are those toxic worries that 
paralyze and prevent us from moving forward because we stay stuck in our heads, we stay stuck in the rumination, and we never move in the direction of what matters most. Absolutely. And would you say that uh, the useful worry is a part that is so automated that we don't even know that that's a worry? Like the example that you had of crossing the street? Is that like a worry that's yeah, just I mean, a second and, and we acknowledge it, but it's so fast that at the end of the day, I wouldn't have remembered that one? Yeah, I mean, that one I think is so primed in us as adults. So if you think about, like, I remember a moment when I was a kid and I was running down the grass chasing a ball and all of a sudden my mom is screaming, you know, watch out for the car. And I remember being really scared and afraid in that moment. Um, and what, because oftentimes I think fear is actually love in disguise or worry is love in disguise because my mom's way of expressing love and care for me in that moment so I wouldn't get hit by a car was to yell to get my attention. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think it does get primed in us as kids, but also, you know, I think with where worry can be useful is if, let's say, again, like we have a project coming up that we haven't prepared for, we may start to feel anxious and worried about it because it's asking for us to pay attention to get to work. Absolutely. And when the toxic worry sets in, is there something that we could do? Is there something like really concrete that you could give us that would help us to deal with that? So my, the, the first thing is to just pause and take a breath and acknowledge that what I like to tell myself is my brain is wired for worry because we, we are, we as a species have been wired with this, as I mentioned, the threat mechanism system in our brain. So just to acknowledge when you find yourself worrying, when you find yourself anxious, or when you find yourself feeling a feeling that's uncomfortable, just pause and breathe. And this is what Dr. Dan Siegel calls naming it to tame it. So if you can name what you're thinking and feeling as vividly as possible, neuroscience shows that we can reduce our anxiety by 50%. And what happens is that we move from being caught in a story in our minds to being centered and present in the moment. So let's say that, you know, I'm walking into an important meeting and I'm feeling really nervous and feeling worried about what they're going to think about the idea that I'm presenting, or um, I just feel, you know, this, this discomfort. If, you know, I could go into the meeting, never acknowledge it and feel it the entire time. Mm -hmm. And that's probably going to impact the way I show up, what I say, how I perform, whether or not I'm fully being myself. Or if before I go into that meeting, I pause and I say, and I name it to him and I say, Ooh, okay, right now I'm feeling some butterflies in my stomach. I'm feeling a little bit of tension in my chest. So those are the sensations. I'm noticing some thoughts flying around in my head. Like what if I say the wrong thing or what if this doesn't work out or what do they think about what I'm going to say? Um, and once I just become present with myself and my own sensations and thoughts that, that, presence me to where I'm at and what I'm feeling. And again, like the research shows we can re reduce the anxiety by 50%. So I go into the meeting, I'm feeling more calm, I'm feeling more present, I'm feeling more aware of myself. And that simple awareness can really go a long way. Love it. Thank you. That is very useful. Uh, you also talk about choose wonder over worry. How do we do that? Is that the same method that you just told us when worry sets in, or is there a, a different step for that? Well, I'm a big believer. So just to talk about worry and wonder a little bit. So I, I bring to life worry and wonder in my book as these two voices or these two characters inside of our head. And have you seen the movie inside out? No, I have not. Okay. Well, so inside out is this animated Pixar movie where they bring to life five characters inside a little girl's brain and it's fascinating. I highly recommend it. And okay. you know, the emotions are joy and joy and sadness and disgust, but it's these characters. And once you yep. get to know the characters, you, you understand the role they're playing in her life. So mm -hmm. for the book, I, I really focused on worry and wonder worry being the voice of our inner critic or our inner worrier saying things like, what if this doesn't work out? What if I fail? What are they going to think of me? Am I good enough? And those thoughts that, you know, can spin and spiral. And yep. wonder is the voice of our curious inner guide. So wonder both questions, worries, disempowering stories, and also has us being nudged into the direction of our truth. 
And so my favorite exercise in terms of how we can choose wonder over worry is to really greet our worry with wonder. And so it's to notice, okay, maybe the thought is um, I'm afraid and I don't want to go there. And this is really scary. Wonder might say, I get you're scared and I'm ready to step outside my comfort zone. And I know that fear actually means that I care. So it's, it's being able to use wonder to challenge our, our worry thoughts. So maybe worry is saying, I'm not good enough to do this. And wonder might say, well, the only way to get better is to try. Mm-hmm. Or maybe worry is saying, you know, what if I fail and I make a huge mess of myself and everyone, you know, everyone's judging me. And wonder might remind us that, okay, it might not work out, but I'm all about learning and growing. And the only way to learn and grow is to give this a try. And so it's really being able to challenge our own thoughts and look at them in a different perspective to illuminate a new possibility. Love it. Love that very, very much. Um, <laughs> I think, um, I think um, for people that are paralyzed with fear and worry, this, this will be a really nice exercise that they could do. And should they do this, uh, write it down, or would you suggest that they do it um, out loud and just orally to themselves, or... What do you suggest with what you just said? You know, every person, Voices. Every, every person has different learning styles. So some people will more effectively speak out loud. Some will pen and paper. But I highly recommend for everyone is the first time you're doing it, pull out a sheet of paper, put a line down the middle. On the left column, write my worry thoughts, dot, dot, dot. And then on the right column, you know, write wonder. And so what wonder says. And so with every worry thought that you have, use wonder to think, okay, how else can I look at this situation? How might I learn and grow? What is the opportunity here? And it's really just a way to challenge those thoughts. Wow. Okay. Super. Um, So it says um, that um, our research actually shows that we have regret about our past and the anxiety about our future. And you touched on that in the beginning about our own anxieties. Could you explain a little bit more about that research? Yeah, so I met Dr. James Doty. He's a neurosurgeon at Stanford, and he's the one where I learned um, that 80% of our time is spent with regret about the past or anxiety about the future. And, you know, what, what that tells me is that where we become where we point our focus. And so who we are is based on the thoughts we tell ourselves, the beliefs and the stories that we buy into, and really where we're pointing our attention. And so if the average adult is spending 80% of their time in that regret or in that anxiety, that's where they're pointing their attention and that's what they're going to create in their lives. And so, you know, the question becomes, how do we catch those thoughts and how do we, you know, and it's not about suppressing because I think a big problem um, and something that I, I feel myself going, going against is this, this myth of positivity where let me just replace the negative thought with a positive one and everything will be great. When really, if we're suppressing thoughts in that way, they can show up in, in ways that are, are really, they can show up as disease. They can show up as you know, all of a sudden an explosive amount of anger because thoughts weren't being heard or seen. And so I'm not saying let's push away our thoughts, but actually let's turn toward them. Let's get curious about them so that we can um, embrace what's there, but also realize that we are not our thoughts. And, you know, we have, I think, 60,000 thoughts a day. And as those thoughts come in and out, I like to think of them as you know, a storm that's coming in. If I have a series of negative thoughts like, oh, a storm is visiting me. That's okay. I'm going to let this pass. I'm not going to create a story about it. And this is the, this is a big distinction between, you know, there's events that happen in our lives or experiences that we have. And then there's what we make that mean. And so I can make a project failing mean that I'm not good enough and I'm a failure And then I can have so much regret about it for days or weeks or even years. And instead of just realizing that what happened is that the project failed and the story I created is that I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. I could have created a different story, which could have been this project failed and here's what I learned. 
And so, again, it's always looking for the opportunity for learning and growth in, in our thoughts and our feelings and our experiences. But aren't you also saying that you're a failure because society, this is what you learn from society. If you, you know, I mean, it's kind of double-sorted, right? Because we learned from from day one, if you don't succeed at something in school, you're graded for everything, right? From the moment we start really learning. And and so even at home, we kind of get attaboys when we get the spoon, you know, the food on the spoon to our mouth. And we get kind of yucky and other types of answers when we don't do it right. Right? I'm just, yeah. I'm totally. Just, I mean, that's, I, we, I think, I love that you're, you're speaking to the origin of it, which is always like, it's such an important, that's an important part of the process to ask, wait, why? So I'm telling myself that I'm a failure because this project fails. Where does that come from? You know, who, where did I learn that? And is that something that I want to continue to buy into? I worked with um, Seth Godin to start a publishing company years ago. And, you know, in the space of entrepreneurship, that the idea is let's fail as fast as possible and make as many mistakes as possible because that's the only way that we're going to learn. And yeah. initially this perspective was just like wildly uncomfortable for me because I didn't want to make mistakes. I wanted to do it perfectly the first time, which is not possible. And I was so afraid of failing, but it's how do we, you know, in our families and our communities, how do we create and how do we actually celebrate failure as being a important part of the process to finding clarity and finding answers? I always use the example that we need to remind ourselves. I even have a video of it. What what children do, you know, because mm -hmm. we say to adults, dust yourself up and get back up. And um, um, I I always say, look at what the child learns, the toddler that learns to walk. They go boom, boom. There they fall and they fall and they fall and they fall. But they always get up within seconds. Yeah. But they don't get totally. up with seconds when the worried parent, like your mom, when she screams at you because you shouldn't be continuing to run through the grass because you might not see the cars. It's really funny. The the child, I've seen it hundreds of times, when the parent is too worried, that worry stops mm. the child from getting back up. So you're actually, you know, you're worried that the child hurt himself instead of waiting to see if I'm going to use your word, if Wonderman just kicks in, right? And says, oh, right. that was okay. I'll get back up, right? It's it's kind of interesting. And what makes me really sad, and I just want to say it again for the, for the listener here, because we don't have slides or anything for them to see, but 80% of people live with regret about the past or anxiety about the future. That makes me, I know I'm laughing, but that makes me really sad. Really, really sad yeah. for humanity. I mean, that makes me sad because it's just not worth it, guys. We have we have this one life that I know about. And so, wow, just just pick something and just do it. And I have another question for you, and this is maybe a, a little bit, it's still on the same topic, but it's a question that I have. Uh, because I explain it that personally to me is, is the box, this is just, what do you think about this? Is the box that we are put in by others, isn't that just a box that makes them not worry and makes them be able to accept the person across from us? So with other words, if I say, oh, um, Amber is an author because I heard that. Uh, she's got awesome reviews. Great. So she belongs in the box of success for me. Right? And boom, mm -hmm. I catch in that box. But the same would be true if, and sorry to say it, but I'm going to use the word failure for a second because we're all struggling with that and not being good enough. And so what is mm -hmm. to you, um, you know, in our family, we've never had this, this, or this happen. You know, you really need to beef it up, kiddo, because in our family, we're good in sciences. And you just go to your room and you just worry 
worry, worry, because you have no idea how to turn that. I always say this box was just meant for the others to be comfortable. It's not your box. It's up to you if you want to walk into it. Is that part of what you're telling us about wonderment? Is that I, yes, part? and I absolutely agree with that. And and I and this is something I see all the time in families that creates so much tension and conflict and 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 just unnecessary suffering and pain. Where instead of ex- accepting every person for their unique gifts and contributions, it's it's my way and my way is the right way. Yeah. And so in order to have my love and belonging you have to do it this way. Otherwise you're not fitting in, which I can tell you how many, whether it's entrepreneurs or artists or creatives or people in the corporate world and anywhere that come to me and they feel like a failure just because they're not feeling a sense of belonging with their family because they feel different. And, you know, I think of an example where there's these two brothers and one is an academic and he's a doctor. And the other one is like a crazy innovator and entrepreneur who dropped out of college but because the one brother values academia and values degrees and, and prestige so much, he's unwilling to accept the other bro- brother who's more fly by the seat of his pants, figure it out, innovate, make things happen. You know, they just see the world so differently. And because they're not in the same world, you know, there's a lot of blaming, writing, wrong. This is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. When instead it's, you know, there's actually two ways and we're, we're approaching things differently and that's okay. And so how do we create space for non-judgment, for acceptance, for compassion, for how we all approach and do things, which might look very different. And, And, you know, a lot of it comes from wanting to be seen a certain way by society. It's a, it's a, we have a collect, we have a need to belong. And so I think sometimes that need to belong um, overrides allowing people to belong in different ways. Yep. Absolutely. I, I can even tell you that in September I visited my my dad who lives in the south of France and who turned 90 and he still asked me when I was going to get a normal job. <laughs> <laughs> so just so you know that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter which age we are, we still get to hear that we're not good enough. <laughs> and I just smiled. Yeah, totally. And, and I smiled. I had this broad smile and I said, you know what? I see the twinkle in your eyes. I know you can't get it, but you know what? Just learn in the next few years of your life to accept me the way I am. Because I'm never going to get the job you want me to. So that was really funny. Totally. We're going... Totally. And how do we accept ourselves the way we are? Because, uh-huh. you know, people's, people's words or actions toward us actually have nothing to do with us and everything to do with them. And so, you know, if someone's judging us, they're actually judging themselves. And so it's, it's important to remember that, like, you know, I will accept me no matter what, how people perceive me, because we can't control other people's perceptions. And that is of the worries that we have, you know, in all of my research and conversations, one of the biggest ones that people worry about is how people are going to perceive them, which we cannot control. And so it's like, let's just let that go. <laughs> let's let that one go, because control. the work is really to accept and embrace ourselves. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to have a real quick break, even though I want to keep going, but we have to. We'll be right back, everyone. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, Westshield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, Westshield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. 
Hi, everyone. And we're back with our show. Our guest is Amber Ray. Choose wonder over worry. Move beyond fear and doubt to unlock your full potential. If you just tuned in, um, you missed a beautiful part, but we'll go straight back into it, Amber. And you can <laughs> always listen to it on our um, on our website. I would like to um, go real quickly before we dive into the relationships, Amber, go to a question of one of the listeners because I always like to try to get them in. Um, my This is question number one. My mother, who is now 76, worries about everything and the anxiety is now leading to depression. My two brothers and I have recommended mm. therapy and she will not discuss it. Interfering what we think she is interfering that what we think she is losing mental capacity. I was very intrigued by the title of your book. Do you think it would help her? As I do believe something more subtle, maybe a good first step. This is from Virginia in New Jersey. Hi, Virginia. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, so I'm going to, because I don't want to say like, I'm not going to not promote my book, but of course it could help, but the challenge when we buy books for other people, because we want to change their behavior and often it comes from a place of love and concern, um, is that it may, they may not be receptive to it. I definitely think, you know, if you were to approach her more speaking from your own experience rather than why she needs to change, that could be better received. So maybe if you read the book or you came across an article that spoke to you or, um, maybe a TED talk or something where it, it had an aha moment for you. If you could share, because I, I know even when I'm approaching my own family members, if I went to them and said like, hey, you need to read this, <laughs> they might not be receptive. And this is also very generational. But if I said, hey, you know, this, I realized this when I read this, and it had me think that I want to approach this differently. And what do you think? It's more of an invitation and a conversation versus a prescription. And people are often just allergic and not wanting prescriptions. And I know, actually, it's funny. I talked to my grandmother a few days ago, and she had, um, she's almost 80. And she had read my book, and she started telling me about her experiences with jealousy and her experiences with envy and how for the past 30 years, maybe she's played small or held back because of, thinking, why not me? Why are they having it and not me? And we had probably one of the best conversations of our relationship. Um, and it was because, of course, my book is a collection of, it's both the worry and the wonder framework as well as the vulnerable stories. But because I was, she felt like I was opening up to her, she then opened up to me. And so I wonder how you might open up to your mom um, from a place of, of love and compassion and really from your own experience and how, what that might unlock in her. Love that answer. Okay, here's question number two. In the summary of Answers for the Family on the website, I noticed your, you work with millennials. I'm in that age group and just gave birth to a beautiful daughter. I don't think I gave that much thought about the word worry until she was born. Now I find myself concerned mm. about a long list of things, her future health, just keeping her safe, happy, in a very unstable world. I would like to manage this sometimes overwhelming worry and just purchased your book. Have you dealt with others like myself on these topic? And does it get easier when you have children? This is Bev from Florida. Oh, hi, Bev from Florida. Um, it's funny. My mom's name is Bev and she lives in Florida. <laughs> I'm like, is that my mom secretly listening? No. Um, <laughs> no because she just I, um... had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I'm also a millennial, so hi. I do not have children yet, um, but I have worked with a lot of millennials who do. And I actually was just speaking to a mom recently, and she said her, her mantra when she had her, had her first kid was to remember that she's wired for worry. And as soon as you bring this precious life into the, into the planet, of course, you want to keep that baby safe and you want you know, you, you feel it's depending on you. And so um, how are you going to do uh, How are you going to do that right? And so I would just really encourage you to create a practice that is a release for you. And I know you're a new mom and you're like, how am I going to actually, how can I, I can add anything to my life or time right now? But like, 
do you have 10 minutes where you could journal in the morning and just write all the things that you're concerned about and feeling? Because again, if the thoughts stay stuck in us, they can spin and spin and drive us crazy. But if we can have some sort of release, whether it's 10 minutes of journaling or um, talking to a friend or a partner, or I actually was just with a mom yesterday who is, has a mom's group that she meets with once a week to talk about the realities of being a mom um, and all the things that come up in that process. And so um, I think both the personal practice as well as the community of like-minded people who are going through the same things as you will help to quell the worries and the fears. And I think, you know, it's just like the first time we do anything, it's terrifying and scary because we care and because it, it really means a lot to us. And then, you know, as we gain confidence, as we really find our way, I think the, the worry and the fear will begin to settle down. I mean, I can liken it to my first book felt like a baby and I had so much anxiety initially. And now I feel this, like, I feel very settled in it because, um, because it was the first time and you, and you don't know what's going to happen. And there's all these fears that come up. So, um, I'm with you. I feel you keep breathing, find other moms to chat with journal about your feelings if you can and know that your fear and your worry means that you care. Super. Thank you so much. I want to dive into relationships a little bit because you say our feelings aren't the problem. It's our relationships. And also with the research, it also shows that it impacts our relationships and our dreams. Would you like to, uh, I don't have a specific question. I just would like you for the, for the listener to really um, delve into the relationship part a little bit and uh, mm -hmm. we can listen to wonder even while having healthy relationships without worrying like crazy about the other one. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So people often come to me and say, how do I get rid of my fear or how do I make my worry go away? And, you know, the problem isn't the fear or the worry, it's the relationship to it. And so, you know, a big tenet of my work is that our feelings aren't the problem. It's the relationship to them. You know, the worry isn't going to kill us. The fear is not going to, tear our life apart. The shame isn't going to destroy uh, something, but the relationship to it could. And, you know, of, I, I did a study with 500 people recently, actually, and I had them describe to me what they learned about their emotions growing up. And the almost, almost everyone, if I had to like generalize it into what the one thing was, it was that um, there's good feelings and bad feelings and let's not feel the bad ones. And so if we learn to not feel the bad ones, when we feel fear, when we feel worry, when we feel anxiety, we're going to feel really uncomfortable and want to make it go away. But the aim is to actually learn to welcome and embrace the feeling, know that it's just passing, knowing it's a visitor, knowing that there actually might be a useful message beneath the feeling. And if we can create separation between ourselves and what we're feeling so that we can actually hear the insider lesson beneath it, then that's when we can see our emotions as allies and friends rather than as these evil enemies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I really liken the relationship to emotions, especially uncomfortable ones, is how do we invite them in for tea as honored guests? How do we say, hey, anger, I've seen you hanging out a lot recently. You know, what's going on? Why are you so upset? Where is this anger coming from? And, you know, maybe anger is illuminating that a boundary has been crossed and, that you've been putting up with a behavior that's not okay. And anger is saying, this is not okay, let's set a boundary. Or, you know, maybe worry is really present because you've brought a new life into the world and, and everything seems new and scary and fragile and you're afraid of, of losing control. You know, that's okay. Hey, worry, I see you hanging out here. What is it that you want me to know? What is it that you want me to watch out for? And when we can learn to turn toward our emotions as if they are little kids, or as if they are uh, a good friend, um, we learn to just have this healthier, more stable, more engaged relationship where it's not, oh, no, I feel jealousy, something's wrong with me, but, oh, jealousy is hanging out. I wonder why. I wonder what it wants me to know. And so it's really learning to turn toward rather than push away. Love that. Love that. You also say in your book that wonder has three sidekicks. Can we know this? <laughs> Please, I'm ready. <laughs> yes. 
I love the sidekick. So I do too. Sidekick. <laughs> courage, curiosity, and compassion. And okay. so courage is the part of us that says, oof, I don't want to go there. That seems really scary, really uncomfortable. I'm really comfortable over here. And I don't want to go there, but with courage, I'm going to go there anyway. And it's, it's realizing that courage can only show up as a sidekick if we're experiencing fear. Courage does not exist without fear, because if we're not afraid, there's nothing to be courageous about. And so remembering that courage and fear can actually walk hand in hand together in the direction of that seems definitely scary, but we know it's where we're going to grow. And so courage really encouraged us to use fear as a compass so that we continue to learn and grow. And curiosity is the part of us that notices, and I was just speaking about this a little bit ago, that notices, hmm, something's feeling off. I'm feeling a little off center or, oh, you know, someone said something and it really triggered me. I wonder why. Hmm, I wonder what's going on there. And curiosity is really the part of us that, again, helps us turn toward the discomfort, turn toward the the feeling of messiness or whatever it is, and to get curious about why it's there and why it's showing up. And, and really to approach it with non-judgment and just openness and a sense of, hmm, as if we're an investigator of our own emotions, or our own situations in life. And then the last C is compassion. And compassion is reminding us that we're doing the best that we can and we're human. They're doing the best that they can and they're human. And just remembering that you know, let me have compassion for where I'm at and really celebrate this moment because, again, we're all doing the best that we can. I love that. I love that. Would you say that compassion equals a little bit being kind to ourselves? Absolutely. Being kind to ourselves, treating ourselves like we would treat a best friend. Yeah. And really doing that to other people as well. And, you know, I often find that the amount of compassion we, we can have for others mirrors the amount of compassion we're having for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And would you say that, uh, I, I'm, I'm just seeing this here on a piece of paper, right? Wonder, three sidekicks, courage, curiosity, and compassion. And when I see it like that right mm-hmm. in front of me, I'm almost wondering, I'm going to ask you a question totally off the cuff here. <laughs> and that is, um, are they all of them innate? these three sidekicks and would you say that the three sidekicks are also something that is in us but that somehow gets lost along the way yeah i think i I don't have that's actually something that i want to look into more um but i would think and i think there's you know nature versus nurture i think we are all born with a sense of curiosity i think we're all born with the courage to try something and and you know if you again if you look at kids there isn't a whole lot of fear there they're just trying and they're, they they want to learn and develop and grow um mm-hmm. and compassion i'd like to say we're born with i'm not sure how that's cultivated um i want to look into that more but but i do think that you know generally we come in as we come into this world with curiosity courage and compassion and yes that can be conditioned and socialized out of us if we're bullied we might you know, have less of a desire to have compassion for the other person. Um, if we are told that if we make a mistake, then we're a mistake, then we're going to struggle with really stepping into courage. And so it is looking at what were the beliefs or learned behaviors when we were younger or that happened throughout our life. Or, you know, I have artists come to me all the time and they think their art is horrible because their third grade teacher told them some piece of art they made wasn't very good. And so it's, it's really finding those and illuminating those moments where something happened and we bought into it and we believed it and we made it become part of our identity. And that's where we get to say, do I want to buy into my third grade teacher who told me my art was bad and have that dictate whether or not I make art? No, I'm not interested in buying into that anymore because, you know, we're so vulnerable as, as children, our brain is still developing. And so as adults, we now can look back at those situations and make different choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason I was asking you that is because um, I always replace the word compassion with kindness. And so I, mm. I think that in, and especially America, I'm, I'm from another country, but I'll just take America as an example. Um, then 
courage, curiosity, and kindness is kind of, and wonderment is at the wayside because we are told to be competitive. And we are told that mm. the sitting next to us already at a very early age is actually our competition. And so yeah. whether it's um, academic competition or a physical meaning sports competition, it's competition. And so very, very quickly we go into that. And that was actually the reason I was asking you that because I'm, I'm, mm. I, I personally work on why we left it on the wayside. I have a whole theory on that. And so I just saw those words literally here pop out on me on, on paper. And I went, yes. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I love that. And it's how do we, how do we move from, oh, sorry. How do we move from uh, competition to collaboration where uh, it's not know, us here? versus them, but it's how do we all win together? Okay. Uh, my answer real quickly, and I know you didn't really ask me, but I'm going to answer is I think it is, <laughs> I think it is because, um, the truth is we want it to be ours. I want it to be my idea. And I'm not talking about me personally, but, uh, when I talk to Americans, they want a trademark on everything. They want to copyright on everything. When I write a paper, uh, I now have to put copyrights on it, which I think is ridiculous because you know what? If someone plays plagiarism, I take the plagiarism as, oh my God, they really loved it. See? Mm -hmm. And you, you can take the plagiarism and go, oh, well, me, me, me. But you know what? It means they loved it. And that's the truth. Right. And don't you want your idea or your thought to go to millions of other people? And the answer is people actually prefer not to. They prefer to stay in that mm. because it's mine. And my, my uh, uh, thing on this is, you know, the truth about the three sidekicks. It's not yours. It's not mine. It belongs to all of us if we're innately bored with it, right? It's like saying a, a plant, right? Flaxseed is a plant or... You know, uh, aloe vera is a plant. So is it then my formula or is it an idea that I had of something to do with the plant? Y you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We kind of blur those lines. Totally. And because we blur those yeah, lines I mean and because we want the attaboys, we're going back to number one, the attaboys, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's the problem. Yeah. Not that the attaboys were enormous because remember you fainted when you got attaboys and I fainted just reading them. <laughs> and so <laughs> I am just as conditioned as anyone to go, Oh my God, Amber Ray, this is terrific. But the good thing is I read about your book before I read the reviews. So I still had the same wonderment. <laughs> Amber Ray, this is terrific. But unfortunately, we live in a world where people might think what you said is not important enough. But now, because of the attaboys, everyone will read it. And so yep. we just need to go with the flow. I would love for you to tell us we have four minutes left, a few minutes left, because I need to do the closing, too. Uh, I could talk to you for hours, and I'm sure the listeners could, too. Tell us what you want to leave as a message with us today. Ooh. Hmm. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be about your book. Yeah, I'm thinking. Take your time. Well, I feel like right now with everything that's happening in our country, particularly in the U.S., yes. there's so much divisiveness and so much blame and shame and pointing fingers and choosing sides and it just hurts me because you know that's I don't think what we want our country to be all about I'm all about the unity of us all I'm a humanist um, I believe in people I believe in their potential and you know how do we take down our guards take down our need to be right our need to have our point of view heard and really just open up and see that we're just a bunch of heartbeats walking around wanting to feel connected to each other. And I guess what I want to leave you with is 
is how can you reach out? How can you really show up for someone? How can you show up for yourself in a time where there's so much division? How can you contribute to creating a sense of unity among your family, your community, and, and your country or your world? Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Amber Ray. Tell the listener real quickly. Thank how you. Can, tell them how they can find you and your book. So you can find the book anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local indie bookstore. I also have a website for the book, choosewonder.com. And uh, in terms of me, I'm, I love Instagram. It's my favorite. I'm a, as an artist, it's visual. <laughs> and as a writer, there's captions and words. And so um, I'm Hey Amber Ray, uh, R-A-E, that's how you spell Ray, on Instagram. And if you were listening, I would love for you to shoot me a message or comment on a post and say that you were, you were tuned in so I know who you are and would love to connect with you there. Okay. Love it. Thank you so much, Amber. Really appreciate it. And uh, be sure to put us on your calendar and tune in next Monday when we will be joined by Jeff Smith and Mont Criddle um, of the Logan River Academy DART program to discuss dim the screen and brighten the future, helping teens develop healthy digital habits. And please visit our archives and our past interviews for answersforthefamily.com or subscribe on iTunes, Stitchers, or YouTube. And please help us promote the program, the radio show, by posting it on your social media. Thank you so much, and spread the word, and be safe. Bye, everyone. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza, right here on LA Talk Radio. 